0: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. We are back with the second part of our episode on the Parkland shooting. Um, If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should go do that first because that covers the background info on Nicholas Cruz and it goes over the timeline of the shooting and all that. So you'll definitely want to know all that because this episode is going to be about everything that happened after the fact and the trial and everything that went down. So go check out that episode if you haven't already. Um, I guess we don't really have much to talk about because we are <laughs> double recording. We haven't done for anything in the last hour. Yeah, yeah. So we've recorded these two episodes together just to clarify, but split them up into two because it's such a massive amount of information. Thanks so much to um, take in. Yeah, definitely, it's a big one. So, yeah. I guess we'll just get right into it. Um, the people who don't like when we chat too much must be thrilled if they're still here. <laughs> so, we'll get into it starting from right after Nicholas was arrested, basically.
1: This is the young man seen here in handcuffs wearing combat style boots, believed to have committed today's massacre. No! Oh my God! Previously suspended from the school, today returning with deadly intentions.
2: He's 19 years old, uh, he was born in 1998 in September. He was a former student of Douglas High School. Uh, he got expelled for disciplinary reasons, I don't know the
1: specifics. Arrested off campus, sources identifying him to ABC News as Nicholas Cruz. ABC News has learned he used an AR-15 assault style rifle and had considerable ammunition. He had uh, countless magazines, uh,
2: multiple magazines, and at this point, we believe he had one ar 15 rifle.
1: I don't know if he had a second weapon. The school shooting today marks at least the 18th so far this year. And it is also symptomatic of a nation where mass shootings in which four or more people are shot in an incident have become commonplace. The nation averaging more than 300 mass shootings in the last three years.
3: So, just in case you've forgotten, the shootings did happen on Valentine's Day 2018, so February 14. Nicholas first appeared in court the following day, which was February 15th, 2018. So, at this time, the public defender described him as a deeply troubled child who had endured a lot of emotional trauma in a short period of time. Like, there seems like there's been quite a lot of research and thought into this for this to come out on the day after the shootings but
0: anyway that's what yeah. the public defender said yeah I guess that's kind of like the only defense, defense so they were like they we have. gotta look into it quickly yeah yeah um
3: and I guess too just looking at his previous records and I think we mentioned in the last episode that the police had been called at his house like 45 times or something so I guess all that is public record and that would be easy enough to find yeah
0: and I remember it came out very quickly the day of the shooting, really, like other students were saying that like he was expelled from the school a year before, so yeah. it kind of already started, if you start from there and go backwards, like so you'd see he was expelled from school because of bad problems and other students were kind of talking about his bad behavior right away. Yeah. Now,
4: um, he was got kicked out of school last year, a lot of people, he always had guns on him and stuff like that, so it was, huh? I'm I'm with Bruno. I'm with Bruno. I'm with Bruno. Call, call her. Talk to her, please. So he was a okay. kid
5: kicked out of school. Mom,
4: I gotta go. He was a he kid kicked out of school. It's a little bit of a troubled kid, but he, everyone thought you know he always had jokes and stuff like that. It was a lot of like uh crazy stuff that he did. uh Just not right for school. He got kicked out of school multiple times for this kind of stuff. Was he
5: known to carry guns or? What? He carried
4: multiple guns. He showed me his guns. I actually I was kicked out of school myself, and I saw what guns he had he showed me personally um and not a lot of the time the kids wouldn't pick on him because kind of took because they knew what could go on or were scared at the time.
5: So what did he come on onto campus? That I guess so
4: that's what that's what the word what? is my how, mom, my mother just called me a few seconds ago to tell me that it was Nicholas Cruz. How did they know that? Uh, she's just watching the news currently uh, all right
5: and he's uh, was he a junior senior
4: when he got kicked when out when he got kicked out I believe he was a, a, a junior I, I could say. I'm wow. not sure he that that was a sophomore. This? Um, honestly, a lot of people were were, cont- were saying that it was gonna be him, stuff like that. We actually, we threw, a lot of kids do jokes around like that, saying that he's the, the one that screwed up the school. But it turns out, you know, everyone predicted it. It's it's that's crazy. Wow, he must have
5: come on onto campus,
4: then, right? Yeah, he was in the third floor. He knows the school layout. He knows where everyone would be at as of right now. He he's been in this fire Joe's, He's prepared for this stuff.
3: So he was indicted by a grand jury on March 7, 2018, and he was indicted on 34 charges, 17 counts of first-degree murder and 17 counts of attempted first-degree murder. On March 13, the prosecution in the case filed their notice of intent to seek the death penalty, and they said they could prove five of the aggravating factors that qualify a murder for the death penalty in Florida. I'll put them all on the blog if you want to have a read about what they are, but it just basically Uh, five reasons why he would be kind of I guess a candidate for the death penalty that his crime had met those five factors. So Nicholas refused to enter a plea at the arraignment so Broward Circuit Judge Elizabeth Shearer entered a not guilty plea on his behalf. Andrew Pollock who was the father of Meadow Pollock who had been murdered during the shooting said death by injection would be too easy in my eyes I'd rather him rot in prison the rest of his life. So November 13, 2018, so a few months after the shooting, Nicholas attacked an officer in the jail where he was being held. He was charged with aggravated assault on an officer, battery on an officer, and use of an electrical or chemical weapon against an officer following this incident. So this info about the incident is from the Associated Press. It says, according to the assault arrest report, Cruz attacked Officer Beltran after he was told not to drag his sandals around while walking in a jail day room. Cruz responded by showing Beltran his middle finger and then rushing the deputy and striking him with his fist. Cruz and Beltran then got into a physical altercation in which both wound up on the floor and Cruz was able to get control of the stun gun, which is technically called a conducive electronic weapon. The stun gun discharged but it is not clear whether it struck anyone and the officer Beltran was able to regain control. Beltran was struck multiple times by Cruz using his fists um, and the report also says that Beltran struck Cruz in the face with a fist containing the stun gun, and then Cruz retreated to one of the seats in the day room before he was taken into custody. In early August 2019, Nicholas's taped confession was released to the public. There's almost 12 hours of footage. I've got some of it on the blog. You can have a look at it if you want to check it out. Kill me.
2: Just f- kill me. Tonight, for the first time, a window into the disturbed mind of Parkland school shooter Nicholas Cruz in the hours after the massacre that left 17 students and teachers dead. Cruz, at times, seen alone, talking to himself during an 11-hour interrogation with the Broward Sheriff's Office. He's telling the detective he's attempted suicide with ibuprofen and alcohol, killed small animals, and has heard a demon voice inside his head for years.
1: Did the voice tell you to buy that AR-15? Yes.
2: Cruz claiming the demon talked to him the night before the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Well, what does it tell you to do? Burn, kill, destroy.
6: Okay, burn, kill, destroy what?
2: Anything? Cruz asking to see his brother Zachary. What do you think Mom would think right now? she would, cry. Was, she would cry. Zachary trying to calm his brother, feeling partly responsible.
6: This is a big part of like my fault also, because you know I grew up, we grew up together. Like I know I was, I know I was the nicest to you.
2: David, we also learned that Cruz considered an attack at a park just a week before the massacre. Specific details about the school shooting given in that interrogation were not released.
3: At one point, Nicholas tells the police that he's nothing but worthless shit. At another point, you can see Nicholas pointing his guns at at his head like a handgun and saying, kill me. He also starts sobbing at one point. Nicholas also told the police that he heard voices in his head that told him to burn, kill, and destroy, and that he blames the voices for instructing him to pick out the gun that he used in the shooting. Nicholas's trial was scheduled to start on January 27th, 2020, but we all know what happened in
0: 2020.
3: (laughs) It was first delayed, apparently, to give his legal legal team more time to prepare, and then COVID delayed it even further. The second rescheduled date was September 2021. That also didn't happen. In October 2021, Nicholas pleaded pleaded guilty to all the charges against him in an attempt to avoid the death penalty. He made a statement at the time in which he expressed his regret for the crimes and asked for the victim's families to decide his fate. He said, I'm very sorry for what I did and I have to live with it every day. He also said that he regularly has nightmares. I'm doing this for you and I do not care if you don't believe me and I love you and I know you don't believe me. I'd be so infuriated if I was the family and that was Same. what he was saying to you. I would just
0: oh, it would be rage-inducing. You don't act like a fucking martyr now.
3: Yeah. I don't, I don't care if you don't believe me, but I love you. Oh, gross. Is there
7: anything else that either side wishes to add to the record or, or present at this time?
5: I believe Mr. Cruz wanted to make a statement to the court and to the – Victims present yes. in
7: the courtroom.
6: Okay. May I take off a mask? Sure. I am very sorry for what I did, and I have to live with it every day, and that if I were to get a second chance, I would do everything in my power to try to help others. And I am doing this for you, and I do not care if you do not believe me. And I love you, and I know you don't believe me, but I have to live with this every day, and it brings me nightmares, and I can't live with myself sometimes but I try to push through, because I know that's what you guys would want me to do. I hate drugs, and I believe this country would do better if everyone would stop smoking marijuana and doing all these drugs and causing racism and violence out in the streets. I'm sorry, and I can't even watch TV anymore. And I'm trying my best to maintain my composure, and I just want you to know I'm really sorry. And I hope you give me a chance to try to help others if, we, if I believe it's your decision to decide where I go, and whether I live or die, not the jury's. I believe it's your decision. I'm sorry.
7: Yeah. Okay. Anything else?
3: Um, the judge asked Nicholas if he understood that he faced quote, minimum best case scenario of life in prison. And he said that he understood. So judge Shearer said, this is what we refer to as a strategy decision. She said that if Nicholas believed it was in his best interest to waive his right to a jury trial and acknowledge guilt, and he said, yes, madam. On October 20, Nicholas was also sentenced for the attack on the officer. He was given 26 years in prison for the assault
0: charge. It's interesting that he seemed like he really wanted to avoid the death penalty, considering he was like kind of like he was used to cut himself. He seemed kind of suicidal. He was saying in the interview, like, kill me and stuff like that. It seems like he really didn't want to die
3: yeah yeah very
0: interesting because I think that's why he pled guilty in hopes that he would avoid the death penalty yeah
3: so Nicholas's trial finally started on July 18 this year 2022 the jury consisted of seven men and five women with 10 alternates this info info about the opening statements comes again from the Associated Press The prosecutor, Mike Satz, called the murders cold, calculated, cruel and anus, and he quoted the video that Nicholas made three days before the shooting. In the video, it says, this is what Mike alleges that Nicholas said, "'Hello, my name is Nick. I'm going to be the next school shooter of 2018. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and some tracer rounds. It's going to be a big event, and when you see me on the news, you'll know who I am. You're all going to die. Ah, yeah, I can't wait.'" Among the first witnesses who were called during the trial was a female named Danielle Gilbert. She was a junior who was in psychology class when the shooting began. She said that her teacher told students to get behind her desk. She said, we were like sitting ducks. We had no way to protect ourselves. The jury was then shown cell phone video that Danielle took in the classroom. The footage began with a girl curled up beneath the teacher's desk and others, including Danielle, mostly unseen as they crouched behind it. Around two dozen shots can be, seem to be coming in from just outside the door and then they heard in rapid succession as the fire alarm sounded. You can't see, but there's a boy on the video and he cries out
0: twice, someone help me. That's the clip that I said I probably won't put in because one, the fire alarm's like screeching loud and would hurt your ears and it just, you hear one girl dying, you hear this guy crying for help and it just, we'll put the link to it out there, but it's just really horrible. Yeah, and if you go into YouTube and Google, you know, Parkland CCTV,
3: it's all on there if you if you really want to check it out yourself. Um, the gunshots get further away, but the students remain quiet and huddled, speaking in whispers. Eventually, the voices of police officers can be heard, and the teacher stands up, holding her head. A boy whispers, they're coming, they're coming, we're okay. It says SWAT officers carrying rifles burst in wanting to know if anyone is hurt. The students point and Gilbert, which is Danielle, stands up with her camera. A wounded boy and a girl are carried out and a dead girl lies in a pool of blood. The officers tell the student to run out and they pass two more bodies lying in the hallway before getting to the parking lot.
5: Calvin, as you can imagine, this is a very painful and excruciating day for family members. Think about it, listening to how their loved ones were so brutally shot and killed. Some had to leave the courtroom, while others did stay in their seats, visibly upset and crying. This is all just so heartbreaking to watch, and we must warn you, some of the audio that you're about to hear may be very difficult to listen to. Grief-stricken families in court on day one of the penalty-faced trial, holding on to one another while listening to gut-wrenching and heart-stopping sounds. Killing 911 calls and videos played in court from the day of the horrific school shooting. Tony Montalto, who lost his daughter Gina, closing his eyes. Fred Guttenberg and his wife Jennifer, whose daughter Jamie was killed, clutching one another. Fred shaking his head, Jennifer painfully covering her ears when hearing the gunfire. Then sounds that cut like a knife. Screams following the shooting, playing out in court.
2: Come on, follow me, follow me, follow me. Up the
5: wall the wall go go go, go. Oh my God. for some loved ones the audio is too much to bear quickly leaving court earlier in the day state attorney Michael Satz recalled that horrific day going moment by moment shot by shot and naming victim after victim
2: Peter Wang was shot 13 times
5: Max Schachter listening in horrified and pained by the details. A grief that he knows all too well. His son Alex was only 14 years old when he was killed. He tweeted photos of his son with a caption reading, "I love you, Alex." Lori Alhadef also tweeting a photo of her daughter Alyssa, writing, "Remembering Alyssa Alhadef."
3: So during the opening statements, a relative of a girl who died in that classroom yelled for prosecutors to turn the video off. Before the court asked for the woman to be quiet, the defense did request a mistrial over this outburst, but it was denied. Um, so Nicholas's case was the first death penalty trial for the judge, Elizabeth Shearer. The jurors would eventually vote 17 times, one for each of the victims, on whether to recommend capital punishment. So this information is about the death penalty voting process. Like I, I feel like this, this trial is a little bit different because it's not to determine his guilt. He's admitted his guilt. It's, the trial was solely just to determine if he would get the death penalty or not.
0: Yeah, so he like pled guilty initially. So he like, didn't have the actual trial for the crimes. So this is just yeah. the death penalty one. And I, I meant to say at the start, like all of this, it was videoed, you could watch like the whole trial, like law and crime has it all posted. But there's tons of clips and everything from the trial that you could watch too.
3: So, if you're wondering about how kind of the trial for the death penalty happens, every vote must be unanimous. So, in this case, Nicholas's 17 crime, you know, the votes on his 17 charges must be unanimous by the jury. A non unanimous vote for any one of the victims means that Nicholas's sentence for that person would be life in prison. The jurors were told to vote for the death penalty, that to vote for the death penalty, the aggravating circumstances presented by the prosecution for the victim in question must, in their judgment, outweigh mitigating factors presented by the defence. Regardless of the evidence, any juror can vote for life in prison out of mercy. During jury selection, the panellists said under oath that they are capable of voting for either sentence. So I guess, you know, one of the outcomes could have been that he would be given death, just say, for a few of the murders, but he could have been given life for some. It doesn't need to be 17 cases of yes for the death penalty, essentially, which seems to be redundant. Very, yeah, very involved. So digital evidence in the case started to be presented on July 27th. There's a detective Nicholas Masters of the South Florida Internet Crimes Against Children's Task Force and he said he examined the digital evidence. He found that Nicholas regularly searched Google for information about massacres, killers and weapons. There was an 18-page list of his Google searches and I guess internet history that was read out in court and some of the searches included perfect murder weapon, how to become evil in society, why I want to kill women, how to become a school shooter, How to Shoot at 500 Yards, AR-15 Tactical Shooting and Pumped Up Kicks Columbine High School. So we spoke in the last episode about Pumped Up Kicks, which is a song about school shootings. I've put the actual clip to the song on the blog, but some of the lyrics, for example, are: he found a six shooter gun in his dad's closet and with a box of fun things. I don't even know what, but he's coming for you. All the other kids with the pumped up kicks, you better run, better run, outrun my gun. All the other kids with the pumped up kicks, you better run, better run faster than my bullet. So I think everyone, most people would be familiar with that song anyway. I think a lot of people are actually shocked when they realized, because it doesn't sound like a kind of ominous song. It's just kind of a little bit catchy. And when you actually look at the lyrics, I feel like a lot of people are like, wow, I didn't realize that was
0: what it was about. I didn't for like a long time. And then when I did, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) <laughs> that's horrible like why did we let this be a popular song yeah i guess it's uh
3: yeah i don't know i guess it's just telling the story isn't it but yeah it's crazy yeah
0: but also i wanted to say about his google searches i feel like it also kind of shows you um how low his like intelligence level was to be like googling how to become a school shooter
3: yeah why how to what did you say why i want to kill women shouldn't you know why you want to or yeah Maybe he was just getting his defense ready. Yeah. Um, as part of kind of his internet history, he also wrote on YouTube on July 4th, 2017, I love to see the families suffer. He spelled families F-A-M-I-L-Y-E-S. So I guess kind of another, his lack of education, and his lack of coherency, I guess.
5: Yeah.
3: He also re- researched other massacres online. He searched for the 1989 uh, shooting in Canada that killed 14 people, the 2007 Virginia Tech shooting which killed 32, and the 2017 Las Vegas shooting in which 60 people died. About four months before the Parkland massacre, Nicholas wrote, I believe online somewhere, I have no problem shooting a girl on the chest. So the prosecution rested its case on August 4, 2022, so not too long after the trial started. They ended with friends and family of some of the victims speaking in court. Chris Hickson was the wrestling coach and athletic director at Marjorie Stoneman on the day of the shooting, and he lost his life. His son, Corey, appeared and gave testimony. Corey does have Down syndrome. Um, Corey said, I miss him. Every Saturday we went for donuts, and while he was telling this, he hugged his mother and he was crying in the court.
0: It's so sad. <sighs> There's a clip of it that I'll put in. You can. Okay. Um, Corey. Yes
7: do you want to raise your right hand your right hand? Oh no. okay. do you solemnly swear or affirm the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Yes okay, thank you. You can put your hand down. Now will you turn around and tell the jury your name? Mm-hmm. These ladies and gentlemen right there. Tell them what your name is..
0: Good afternoon. Mr. Hickson, was your father, is your father Mr. Christopher Hickson? Yeah. And is there something that you'd like to tell the jury about your dad? Yeah. What is that? It's okay.
5: I missed him. (laughs)
0: Is there something about donuts that you want to tell us? What
6: is your favorite thing to do with Danny? Yeah, tell them. You can tell us. Wait, it was Saturday we went to Denny Donuts and walked back. Okay.
3: (laughs)
0: Thank you very much.
3: Chris's oldest son, Thomas, also testified via Zoom. Thomas was, is in the US Marine Corps and he testified about the ripple effect his father's murder continues to have on his family, friends and the community. He said even though he should still be here with us making memories, he will also always be remembered for his courage, his bravery, his leadership, his humility and his humour. The sentencing uh, went into recess until August 15 when lawyers were due to discuss what experts would be called to testify and what evidence would be presented in Nicholas's defence, and the jury was scheduled to return on August 22. On August 20, though, some drawings that Nicholas made were released to the public. They're all online. I've popped them on the blog, too, so you can have a look. But this info about them is from Fox News. It says, several drawings show automatic weapons and various ammunition. Others show monstrous faces, pentagrams, and the words, Hail Satan. On page after page, he scrawled three sixes, which is said to be the mark of the Antichrist. He states he does not believe in a god, only the devil. I do not want to be bothered by anyone, he wrote. I cannot wait to die. Blood, blood, I only want to see blood fall. And he also wrote that he hopes there is another mass shooting. At one point, he wrote about his loneliness and his desire to be buried with a woman after his death. And on one page, he scrawled the very issue at stake in his trial, whether the jury will decide whether he will get the death penalty or spend his life in prison. He wrote, I do not want life. Please help me go to death row. So just to be clear, all these drawings were made while he was in jail. They weren't made before the shooting. They were made after. Um, You can see them online. They're very childlike, like kind of stick figures. There's one of him, I am assuming it's him, at the front of a classroom shooting his gun at four people sitting behind
0: desks. I was to say, if you remember the Ethan Crumbly's drawings, or when we talked about the Bever family, their drawings—they're all very similar.
3: Yeah, there's one where he's written "warning classified information." Um, he spelled "classified" incorrectly. It's got like a bunch of smiley faces. One looks like a bit crazy, and it says something radioactive. Like that, basically, you would think maybe an eight or a ten-year-old had drawn these photos. These. these you know there's one that looks like kind of like a devil I don't even know what it is like a devil face and he's written I hate you all hail Lucifer um the most detail in the drawings is almost in the guns like yeah people are just stick figures whereas the guns have a
0: little bit more like you could tell what kind of gun he's trying to draw yeah On August 22nd, Nicholas's defense team began their argument in court. The lead attorney, Melissa McNeil, told the jury during her deferred opening statement that Nicholas has fetal alcohol and drug issues that weren't dealt with adequately by Linda. She also said that Linda suffered from severe depression and financial troubles after her husband died. Um, His attorney told the jury that that doesn't excuse what her 23-year-old client did, but are factors that they should consider as her team presents its case over the several weeks. She said, he's a brain-damaged human. Everyone knows there is one person responsible for all the pain and all of that suffering, and that person is Nicholas Cruz. But she also said that she hoped jurors would remember that the law never requires you to vote for death, not even in the worst case imaginable, and it's arguable that this is the worst case imaginable. The defense also spoke about Nicholas's birth mother and the alleged start to life that he had they said that brenda was a fort lauderdale prostitute who smoked crack cocaine and drank colt 45 malt liquor and cisco fortified wine during her pregnancy with him carolyn deakins a former prostitute testified that she and brenda were drinking beer one day in 1998 when brenda got sick she thought it was because of drugs but brenda told her that she was pregnant Caroline told Brenda that she was harming her baby with drugs and drinking, but Brenda replied she was putting the child up for adoption, so she didn't really care. Daniel Woodward, who is Nicholas's half-sister, she also testified. She said as a preteen, she watched her mother regularly drink alcohol, smoke crack cocaine, and prostitute herself. She also recalled at least one instance where her mom made her pee in a cup to pass a drug test during her probation. Danielle said that her mom's addiction took priority over her children. When she was asked how Brenda was as a mother overall, Danielle replied with one word, horrible. Um, She also said she had an addiction and she always put that first. Susan Luber, who had been Nicholas's preschool teacher, also testified. She said that Nicholas would push children, scratch at them, topple over furniture. He would stay away from other children. If they got too close, he would pounce. Nicholas's legal defense was basically a circus. I'm sure, even if you hadn't followed this super closely, because it was so crazy that it was just like making headlines. The judge and the defense attorney were getting into arguments. Um, so on September 14th, they, the defense, abruptly rested their case after calling just 26 witnesses, and they had originally planned to call 80 witnesses. Lead prosecutor Mike Sat said, "We're waiting for 40 more witnesses." Judge Elizabeth admonished the defense for another day wasted in a trial that has seen numerous delays in postponements. She said, even if you didn't make your decision until this morning to have 22 people plus all the staff and every attorney march into court and be waiting as if it's some kind of game. Now I have to send them all home. The state's not ready. They're not going to have a witness ready. We have another day wasted. She also said his team exhibited a level of unprofessionalism that she had never seen before.
7: Honor. Yes, um, at this time the defense rests. Other than putting in our records. <laughs> We're not playing chess. I mean, will you please take the jury back in? Thank you. All right, go ahead and put in your records. 2B, Nicholas Cruz Henderson, episode 1 record. Let me, let me just stop. State, are you going to have anything ready for today?
1: No. <laughs> we're we're, we're last expected, oldest, There was eighty witnesses. We're waiting for forty more witnesses.
7: I just want to say this is the most uncalled for, unprofessional way to try a case. You you all knew about this, and even if you didn't make your decision until this morning, to have twenty two people plus all of this staff and every attorney march into court, be waiting as if it's some kind of game now i have to send them home the state's not ready they're not going to have a witness ready we have another day wasted i, I just i honestly i have never experienced a level of unprofessionalism in my career it, it's
5: unbelievable so judge you asked. if we had any pre-trial matters you asked us to be here at 915. we were here at 915 to discuss pre matters I have been practicing in this county for twenty years. Uh, you know what? I don't, hear. It. I don't
7: want to hear it. Judge,
5: you're insulting me on the record in front of my client, and I believe that I should be able to. Okay, you can
7: do that later. You can put make your record later. But you've been insulting me the entire trial. So blatantly taking your headphones off, arguing with me, um, storming out, coming late intentionally if you don't like my rulings. So quite frankly, this has been long overdue. So please be seated. You can receive the evidence. I will receive the evidence. And then you can um, put whatever
0: you want on the record at the end. So basically, I think what happened is they got everyone in there all ready to go. And like right away, we're like, well, we don't have any more witnesses. And so then everyone just had to like go home. I feel like, too, his legal team is
3: so confusing. I tried to actually find kind of a list of who was in his legal team because there seems to be a whole bunch of people. I can't like it's just it's just a mess.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they're not very classy. Joshua we'll no, too. No. After the defense rested, the judge asked Nicholas if he understood what that meant. No more witnesses would be able to take the stand in his defense. She said, "Are you comfortable with that decision?" And he said, "Yes." Another member of the defense's legal team was captured on video. This is what I meant when I said they're not the classiest people. It seems um, she was flipping off. She was flipping off some of the family and the victims and like. Trying to be a discreet way, like joking with Nicholas. Like, you know, when you pretend you have like an itch on your face, but you mm. do it with your middle finger. Like what that's you do what when she you're was doing twelve years old, not when you're an attorney in a court of law who's I don't know, probably. In 40 a massive
3: or 50. case yeah. that's
0: being filmed.
3: So immature. Like she literally like it's like she's rubbing her face, but it's with the middle finger. Like she's
0: just ugh. And you could tell even he felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Like how bad do you have to be that this like mass school shooter that killed a bunch of kids feels uncomfortable? So that attorney, Tamara L. Curtis, is now the subject of a pending investigation, um, according to Florida Bar's communication director. From here, clinical neuropsychologist David Robert Denny testified at the trial after spending more than 400 hours with Nicholas. Um, He said his diagnosis of Nicholas was borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. He said that Nicholas didn't meet the criteria for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and he also said that Nicholas was responsible for grossly exaggerating his psychiatric problems in tests. So seems like Nicholas kind of knew this could be his out maybe, like pleading insanity. Not to say he didn't have um, mental health issues. I think he clearly did, but um, according to this doctor, it seems like he kind of leaned into it to make it seem even worse than it was.
3: Yeah, I feel like for them, the kind of fetal alcohol disorder was their one hope to kind of, you know, spare him the death penalty. They didn't really have much else to go on. You know, obviously, we, as you said, he did have the mental things, but this was kind of their, you know, clutch that they were trying to use.
0: When read the list of the 17 people who were killed and asked if fetal alcohol spectrum disorder explained their murders, Dr. Deddy responded no to each one. During the trial, jurors also visited the scene of the massacre, which has remained sealed since the event, which I didn't know until probably this year, but that is wild to me. So the whole school since the shooting happened in 2018 has just been there sealed up as um, a crime scene because they were using it as an exhibit in the trial, which was then delayed and delayed until this year. So what a horrible reminder to the whole town to just have the school there forever boarded up because normally they like knock it down knock down part of it do something to or like renovate it the blood was never cleaned up the doors were just closed nothing been touched like the kids notebooks their textbooks everything was still out exactly as it was when the shooting happened um it said there's like a lock of hair that remains there are still valentine's day gifts and cards strewn about so it just must be so eerie the prosecution's rebuttal began on September twenty seventh, twenty twenty two, and ended on the twenty ninth. Closing arguments were delivered on October eleventh, twenty twenty two. Prosecutors again called for the death penalty. Um, the lead prosecutor, Michael Satz, said what he wanted to do, what his plan was, and what he did was to murder children at school and their caretakers. That's what he wanted to do. And Nicholas's defense attorney said in response to that and in a civilized humane society do we kill brain damaged mentally ill broken people do we i hope not so that seems like that was their their hmm. big defense the lead prosecutor responded to that with hate is not a mental disorder teachers gathered in a classroom at Marjorie stoneman douglas to watch as the verdict was handed down in the case it was decided that nicholas should be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole the jury returned identical answers on on aggravating and mitigating circumstances for each of the 17 counts in the same findings and recommendation for every victim. On each count, the jury found Nicholas eligible for the death penalty based on aggravating circumstances, but did not unanimously find that those aggravating factors outweighed the mitigating factors. We don't know exactly which mitigating factors were in play in those discussions, but We do know which mitigating factors on Cruz's life were presented at trial. The 41 factors were listed in the jury instructions and included factors such as Nicholas Cruz was exposed to drugs in utero, um, medicated throughout his childhood, um, witnessed the death of his father, has remorse. Nicholas Cruz pled guilty and accepted responsibility for his crimes. So the families were obviously dismayed by this outcome. They really wanted him to get the death penalty for what he had done. Um, Tony Montaldo, he is the father of the victim Gina Montaldo. He said, pressing the barrel of his weapon to my daughter's chest. I think she was the one that was sitting in the hallway taking the test. Yeah,
3: the makeup test.
0: Yeah, and he shot her in the chest at very close range. He said, Pressing the barrel of his weapon to my daughter's chest, and that doesn't outweigh the poor little what's his name had a tough had a tough upbringing. I mean, society has to really look and reexamine who and what is a victim. Not everyone's a victim. My beautiful Gina and other sons and daughters, the spouses and fathers, they were the victims here. Um, then he read a prepared statement on behalf of the Stand with Parkland and advocacy group he presides over. Said. Today's ruling was yet another gut punch for so many of us who devastatingly lost our loved ones on that tragic Valentine's Day at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Seventeen beautiful lives were cut short by murder, heinous, pre planned, torturous murder. And the monster that killed them gets to live another day. While this sentence fails to punish the perpetrator to the fullest extent of the law, it will not stop our mission of the families that stand with Parkland to affect positive change at federal, state, and local level to prevent school shooting tragedies from shattering other American families.
8: This morning, anger and disappointment after the jury recommended life in prison for Parkland gunman Nicholas Cruz rather than the death penalty.
6: My firstborn daughter, my shining star, daddy's girl
2: was taken from me.
8: Crews showing little emotion. The families of the 17 victims also inside the courtroom, listening in disbelief as the judge read the verdict, some of them walking out.
6: If this was not the most perfect death penalty case, then why do we have the death penalty at all?
8: All 12 jurors would have had to agree to the death penalty, but the jury foreman saying three of them voted for life in prison.
1: I didn't vote that way, so I'm not happy with how it how it worked out, but everybody has the right to decide for themselves.
8: Prosecutors had argued Cruz was a sociopath and that the massacre was premeditated.
1: It was calculated. It was purposeful.
8: But the defense said he was mentally ill, suffering from fetal alcohol syndrome after his mother abused alcohol and drugs during her pregnancy.
5: He was doomed from the womb. And in a civilized, humane society, do we kill brain-damaged, mentally ill, broken people? I hope not.
0: Um, the parents of another victim, Alyssa Aladef, Alyssa spoke outside the courtroom. They said, I'm disgusted with our legal system. I'm disgusted with those jurors. The father of Jamie Gutenberg said, there are 17 victims that did not receive justice today. Benjamin Thomas, the four person for the jury that recommended the Parkland school shooter be sentenced to life in prison, told CNN affiliate WFOR that three jurors voted against the death penalty. There was one with a hard no, she couldn't do it. And there was another two that ended up voting the same way. Um, he said the hard no didn't believe because he was mentally ill that he should get the death penalty. It must be so frustrating for the majority who wanted it to just have like one person totally against it. Yeah. But I guess that's That's the legal system. Mm. On November 2nd, 2022, Nicholas was officially sentenced to 34 consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole, one each for the total number of victims murdered and wounded. So that is it up to date
3: for, I guess, the Parkland shooting and the trial and the outcome I think it's important that we run through who the victims are and just a little bit about them. We have a really comprehensive blog on all of the victims and things about their life and their families and things they enjoyed. So we encourage you to check them out. Um, but the first victim that we're going to mention was Alyssa Aladef and she was 14. She loved playing soccer for her team, which was Parkland Travel Soccer. Um, when her mother, Laurie, heard about the shooting, she said she rushed to the school but Alyssa was already gone. Her mother said, I knew at that point she was gone. I felt it in my heart. Alyssa was beautiful, smart, talented, successful, amazing, awesome, and a great soccer player. You'll be greatly missed, Alyssa. We love you so much. You'll always be in our hearts. So Scott Bagel was the geography teacher who lost his life in the shooting. One of his students, Kelsey Friend, has said that he was a hero. She said, Mr. Bagel was my hero and he will will forever be my hero. I will never forget the actions that he took for me and for the fellow students in the classroom. I am alive today because of him. He was the one that was shot while trying to lock the door from the outside. Yeah, when the other teacher motioned to him to shut the door, that one. Mm -hmm. So Martin Duque was 14 when he died, and his brother Miguel said he was a very funny kid, outgoing and sometimes really quiet. He was sweet and caring and loved by all of his family. Most of all, he was my baby brother. Nicholas Duaret was 17 when he died and he was shot while he was in his Holocaust history class. He was a champion swimmer who had been recruited by the University of Indianapolis' swim team and he would have started there in the fall after the shooting. His family have established the Nic- Nicholas Dwyeret Fund Swim for Nick in which they provide swimming lessons to kids who you know, may not otherwise be able to afford them. And he's the
0: one who his brother was shot but lived also.
3: Aaron Feiss was a 37-year-old assistant football coach at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and he died after he used himself as a shield to protect students. The football program spokesperson, Dennis Lahito said he died the same way he lived. He put himself second. He was a very kind soul, a very nice man, and he died a hero. Jane Gattenberg was 14 when she died, and her Aunt Ellen told the New York Times that Jane loved to dance, and sometimes she went on for hours. And her father, Fred, gave a really sad statement about the morning of the shooting. He said, in the morning, sometimes things get so crazy. She runs out behind, and she's always like, I've got to go, Dad, Bye. And I didn't get to say I love you. I don't remember if I said that to Jamie. We also mentioned earlier the school's athletic uh, athletic director, Chris Hickson. Chris deployed to Iraq in 2007, and his wife said he loved being an American and serving his country, and he instilled that in his in our family and his kids. Um, Luke Hoyer was 15 when he killed when he was killed. His grandmother Janice said he was a good kid. He never got in trouble. He was the last of my daughter's children that still lived at home. And his mother said about the day of the shooting, she said, I love you, Lucky Bear. And he said, I love you too, mum. 14-year-old Cara Ka- Lauren loved Irish dancing. Her dance studio said, Cara was a beautiful soul and always had a smile on her face. We are heartbroken as we send our love and support to her family during this time. Her best friend, Mackenzie Mursky said, I never got to say goodbye to her. I can't close my eyes without thinking of my friend. Gina Montalto was 14 at the time. She was the winter guard of the school's marching band. Her aunt, Sean Sherlock, wrote on Facebook, I know somewhere in the heavens she's designing the latest and greatest trends with her and has her art book that she always carried with her. Her mother Jennifer said Gina was smart, loving, caring, and a strong girl who brightened any room she entered. On the day of the shooting, Joaquin Oliver, who was seventeen, had purchased Valentine's Day flowers to give to his girlfriend. His father, Manuel, dropped him off and he said, I said, I love you, and he gave me a kiss. I love you too. And I told him, just make sure you call me to see how it goes with the flowers, and he never called me. That's just heartbreaking. Elena Petty was 14 when she died. Her family said that she was a vibrant and determined young woman who loved to serve, and they said, we will not have the opportunity to watch her grow up and become the amazing woman we know she would become. We are keeping an eternal perspective. Meadow Pollack was 18 when she died and she was looking forward to attending Lynn University in Boca Raton after she graduated. Her cousin Jake said she was a beautiful girl inside and out. Helena Ramsey was 17 when she died. Her, a spokesperson for her family said Helena was smart, kind-hearted and thoughtful. She was deeply loved and loved others even more so. Though she was reserved, she had a relentless motivation towards her academic studies and her soft, warm demeanor. She was so brilliant and witty, and I'm actually still wrestling with the idea that she has gone. 14-year-old Alex Shakda was a member of the School Marching Band and Orchestra. His mother had died when he was four, and his father had moved the family to Parkland after that. He said, I moved my family to Parkland because it was an idyllic community. I never thought this would happen to me. I never thought this would happen here. Alex was buried in the same cemetery as his mother. Carmen Shentrup was a 16-year-old National Merit Scholar semifinalist. Her parents said she was a dedicated, accomplished and straight-A student and she was going to change the world. Her parents also said Carmen was a dreamer. We will miss seeing her make her dreams come true. Peter Wang was 15 when he died. I think we mentioned in the first episode that he died after he held the door open for classmates to escape. Yeah. His friend Aiden Ortiz said, I want people to know he died a hero. He died saving many people. So that is the list of victims who sadly lost their lives in the Parkland shooting. As I said, go to the blog. We've got photos,
0: more information on them if you'd like to learn more about them and who they were. Another thing I'm sure a lot of people remember, like this was a big in the news, the students um, who were there. They did a really big push or um, very vocal about wanting gun control. So I'll put in a clip here that was pretty good that I found that explains a lot of the things that they did and how they kind of tried to get their, the government involved to try to help prevent this from happening in the future. 911,
7: emergency. Please help. Please help. Someone at high school. A lot of blood. Please help. Please. <laughs>
9: In February 2018, our school, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, was attacked by a gunman.
6: My goal is at least 20 people with an AR 15 and a couple tracer rounds. Location is Stoneman Douglas in Parkland, Florida.
9: My teacher yelled code red, and a code red means that there's an active shooter on campus. Oh
1: my god! Oh
0: the SWAT team were yelling at us. They were like, "Run, run, run!"
5: <laughs>
0: As I'm running, like I couldn't help but look around, and, and it was just the scariest image. It was like I'm looking at death. Like this is death.
4: <laughs>
9: Seventeen of our friends and classmates were killed. We're going to take this to the national stage. We're not going to be ignored. I'm a British student at the school. Never again! In the immediate aftermath of the shooting. What
8: do we want? We
9: we made it our mission to bring about change in America.
5: Enough is enough!
9: And take our campaign to the steps of the White House.
5: Lewis, you wanted to talk about uh, an initiative you have.
9: In about an hour, I'd like everyone who has a Twitter account to go on Twitter and maybe send a message with the hashtag never again. We don't want this to just be another thoughts and prayers and everyone go to bed. We want to carry this across the country. We want to stop this from happening ever again. Never again! Never again! We're the generation that grew up with mass shootings. but We're also the generation that grew up with social media. The idea that we could use that to reach so many people at once showed that we could mobilize and make a change. We are MST.
5: We're here to make we are-
9: After weeks of campaigning, we had a breakthrough.
8: To the students at Marjorie Stillman Douglas High School, Major voices
9: heard. A bill is passed in Florida that introduces a three-day waiting period on all gun purchases and raises the minimum age for buying automatic weapons from 18 to 21. It also bans the bump stocks that increase the firing speed of these weapons.
4: You helped change your state, you made a difference, you should be proud.
9: But the NRA immediately sues the states of Florida to block the changes, claiming the bill infringes on the Second Amendment. We know we have to keep the pressure on. We're staging a school walkout in protest. The news media gets bored with the story and then move on to the next one. With social media, we can keep it day in, day out, as long as we have a base large enough to keep it there.
4: We want to see what it looks like! We to see looks like!
9: 3,000 schools around America join us in the walkout.
4: What do we want? I can What do we want It! Yeah.
3: And I found another article too just from August 2018, um, which is the same year as the shooting, and it basically talks about how this event kind of sparked um, some legislation change and reform in terms of restricting gun access. Uh, It says that there was 50 new laws just in 2018 which restricted access to guns ranging from banning bump stocks to allowing authorities to temporarily disarm potentially violent people. There was a gun control organization who spoke at the time, Alison Anderman, and she said legislators are starting to realize that mass shootings can happen in their state anytime. So I guess that's one, you know, good thing to come out of this horrible tragedy.
0: Yeah, like if we're going to have a horrible tragedy like this, at least let's try to make some changes to prevent it from happening again. Yeah, I've,
3: there's an interesting graph which I'll put on the blog too and it's got gun control legislation kind of, I guess, the increase in it since Parkland. It it grew like quadrupled after Parkland, um, which is, you know, I guess it shouldn't be surprising but it also it shouldn't have had to happen either.
0: Yeah. Even just like I was going to say at the start but I didn't, it just – even just, like, talking about school shootings, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, it always seems almost taboo because we get messages from people being like, don't talk about the shooter, like, because a lot of times people – it's, I guess, generally accepted that people do it for, for the notoriety. Kind of fame and notoriety. Yeah. But I'm also like, as a society, have to talk about it. And I know – I feel like a lot of people ignore it also because it's just so scary and heartbreaking. But I feel like – coming face to face with how scary and heartbreaking it is like seeing the videos from parkland and how fucking terrified these kids were and how scary it was for them makes me more wanting to make changes or help do something to prevent this from happening again so i feel like even though it's scary and horrible to talk about like we have to like you can't just ignore it or it's gonna keep happening
3: yeah and like even in this case i know with what you were talking about where people say don't, don't, don't say his name, don't talk about the murderer. But in the end there's things that you can learn from his life and the failures that happened, you know, in terms of all these red flags that we spoke about and the reports that were filed and the police reports and all that. Like there was a lot. This wasn't a one-off thing that no one saw coming. This probably shouldn't have been a surprise and it should never have happened. There should have been something in place to stop it before it did. So I feel like that in in terms of this specific case, that's why we have gone into the detail that we have.
0: Yeah, like with Nicholas Cruz and even like most of the school shooters, there's so many warning signs, but especially with Nicholas Cruz, like, and I don't even know, he just had no help growing up. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I feel sorry for him, but he did have a lot of mental health issues that he didn't really get help for. He had no family, really. His parents died when he was very young, anyways, and it seems like he always had issues, just like right from the jump. He never had a stable environment, so it's like i don't I don't know if if could he have gotten help and proper medical treatment would that have prevented this from happening? maybe, and I feel
3: like too you know obviously it's fine to point fingers now, but like even things where the f b i was alerted to him saying things on YouTube and on the internet like I'm gonna be this next school shooter, I'm gonna shoot everyone up you know and but he could still buy a gun he still bought a gun legally I believe you know it was there's just things to be learned I believe too
0: yeah and I think we said the same thing with Ethan Crumbly because he was another one that kept being like I'm gonna shoot up the school and like they kept saying it and Nicholas Cruz kept saying it and like no one did anything yeah and so it's like at the point they're probably in society you already feel like no one cares about them. I'm sure Nicholas cruz kinda of felt like he was just tossed aside, had like no real family or anything. And now you're saying all this crazy shit and still no one cares. Like I feel like that now you're like, well now I'm gonna prove it to you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Screw you all I'm gonna do it, you know.
0: Yeah. And I was like I don't I feel like I'm desensitized to so many things, like since I've just always been curious about true crime and things like that. Um But this case, watching the videos and all that and like hearing the kids talk about that day, it always like chokes me up. Like I was watching videos at work today because I like to watch videos before I do the podcast just to kind of like freshen up on the info and everything. I was literally just like tearing up at my desk all day listening to like how terrible it was and how scared these kids were. And I was like thinking about why that is, like why other things don't affect me as much. And I don't know if anyone else would be able to relate to this, but I really do feel like I'm more likely to die in a mass shooting somewhere versus like, not to be like, oh, run of the mill murder, but versus just someone else murdering me. I don't know if that's just like an American fear now. Every time I go in the grocery store, I think there could be a mass shooting in this grocery store while I'm in here.
3: Even um when we went to America earlier this year, and like we told the kids very last minute and then I was like, are you excited? And they're like, oh, but what about the guns? I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like, you know, obviously it's very different um, here. We have not very many guns. Like it's not really, like obviously I'm not saying we don't have any. We do have and we've had mass shootings here, but it's just a different gun culture here, I believe. So um, that was just interesting to me that that was one of the things that they're worried about because, you know, they see the news, they see these things happening. And like I even just found some stats for 2022 US mass shootings this year. So we're in mid-November. There's been 662 mass shootings in the USA, which a mass shooting is characterized as where there are four or more fatal and non-fatal injuries, not including the shooter. So, six hundred and sixty-two, six hundred and seventy-one people dead from mass shootings, and two thousand six hundred and sixteen people wounded.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: It's crazy. Three occurred at a school of at a school or university, and two occurred at a place of worship. So, I'm guessing one would be Uvalde um off the top of my head for the school
0: yeah it's scary honestly I think about it anytime I'm in a place that is crowded even if I go to something that's supposed to be fun like a a sporting event or a concert I'm always looking around being like okay if something happens this is the exit I'm gonna go to or this is where I'm gonna hide and it's really sad that like Hmm. I'm supposed to be doing something fun and that's what I'm thinking of and even we went to um letter kenny live at master square garden a few months ago and they must have been doing like construction outside or something but like there's just like loud bangs in the middle of the show that like out you could hear that they were like outside and it was kind of muffled but you could kind of feel the vibe of everyone being like is this it mm, what's
3: that yeah and for all that we can talk about there's been these reforms and there's been changes but they it's still happening like i've mentioned a few times the uvalde shooting that was in um may this year where they shot 19 students so it's just like it still is happening there's still I don't know the system's broken I don't even know how you'd
0: even begin to start to fix it really yeah so I guess that's all my thoughts on it I'm yeah obviously not the smartest person to be like <laughs> listening to talk about how to fix the country but those are my thoughts my feelings <laughs> And I feel like yeah. a lot of people feel the same way. So that wraps up this episode. That is everything with the Parkland trial. Obviously, like I was saying, there's so much um, like CCTV, like cell phone videos, and all that from this. So we'll link everything in the blog. If you guys want to check that out, um, it's truecrimesocietyblog.com. Follow our Instagram account. That's where we post kind of about the more recent stuff, True Crime Society um, our personal accounts. Mine is Steph Sum underscore. Olivia's is TCS Olivia and rate and review and subscribe and all that stuff. And check out the sponsors for this episode. Um, if any of them seem interesting to you or if you want to check them out, they're all linked in the episode notes. Um, thanks for listening and look out for each other during this crazy holiday season that is ahead of us. And peace out. Thank you. Goal! Oh.